Hey, I'm Sarah Sud, a CFL reporter who loves three down football, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Neewell Spruce, a.k.a. NWB. And I'm joined by the talented Mr. Colbert Arant, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm okay, except I had an appointment with Dimitri, the KGB massage therapist, this afternoon, and uh, I'm feeling it, man. I'm, I'm feeling in pain. Indeed. But just remember, pain is temporary. Joy lasts forever. Unless you are the Hamilton Tiger Hat Cats, who are in quite a bit of pain as the CFL season is underway. We're entering the third week of the, the season. They've lost two on the trot. They are hosting the Grey Cup, so it's quite painful out there around the horseshoe. So to talk about that and more in the three-down football game that Canadians love, it is a reporter who has been on many a screen. You would recognize her voice if you recognize uh, Canadian football like we do. It's Sarah Said. Sarah, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. We've got a lot to discuss. And before we get into that, though, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be the reporter that you are today. Yeah, so um, I always kind of worked in the media space. Uh, I went to TMU University in Toronto, and I graduated from the Fashion Communications Program, which is very different to what I do now. And I, basically what I chose to do was fashion journalism at the time. So I worked with magazines. I worked uh, you know, at, on photo shoots and different kinds of sets and things like commercial shoots as well. And, and it was a great experience. And kind of basically I, I did that traditional or that typical thing of wanting to do, quote unquote, more serious journalism. And so I ended up working for a veterinary magazine as an editor for a while. And I just tried to find a different outlet that was, again, quote unquote, more serious. And then I be without a degree, like a, a real journalism degree, I struggled to find, you know, my footing a little bit. Um, so I went back to school during COVID and I uh, went to broadcast school. I wanted to do news there and I just found my love for sports and uh, specifically the CFL. So here I am today. That's a beautiful thing. So I'm, I'm going to not hold back here. I need you to rank the top three jerseys or kits in the CFL right now. Oh, I mean, I actually did a whole video on this for last year, but this year it's uh, definitely top three. I guess I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give the Argos the top one. Uh, they have that Cambridge blue, uh, full kind of it's like a baby blue looking, you know, uniform and their helmets and stuff. Now, here's the thing: when I first saw it, I was not convinced, just because I was like, "What? This is super, you know, light," and it, it didn't match the Argos too too much in my mind. I wasn't used to it. But then when I saw it on field, it looks incredible. Like the way it just kind of contrasts with the grass, with the turf, it's so nice. So that's number one. Then I would say the BC Lions, number two, they had the all black is just fire. It's just like really badass. And then number three, oh my goodness. I'm going to have to go with, you know what? The Montreal Alouettes, the white ones, the white jerseys, they're pretty classic. I know they just today 
released that they were going to wear red jerseys and red uniform for this year. I'm going to be honest, I don't know how I feel about that one. It's not bad, but I just have to get used to it too. So that's pretty much my top three at the moment. But I guess the, the Montreal one is pretty much last year's jersey. <laughs> Indeed. I have more questions about Montreal, but we'll get to that later on. Mm-hmm. I do have to agree with the, the Toronto being the top, the blue, the baby blue on the center. The Blue Jays do it as well. Uh, that That's also quite polarizing, but 150 years of Argonauts football, it's a nice way to, to celebrate. Uh, so I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I like how you incorporated her fashion degree into that question, me. So that was very crafty of you, Ozzy. Mm-hmm. Creative, even. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sarah said, is that your actual name or is that a crafty moniker? No, it is my real name, um, but it's actually pronounced Saeed. Okay. But, so I'm Middle oh. Eastern, but my whole life, you know, when you when somebody asks you what's your name, like, and you they want you, they want to like write it down somewhere or whatever. If I say Saeed, they'll spell it S-A-E-E-D or S-A-Y-E-E-D or something like that. And so mm-hmm. it's easy to say said because everybody knows how to spell the word said. So I kind of just always said, I'm Sarah said, and then I just stuck and it was easier. So that's that's that. But it works for journalism. Yeah, I know. I, I had a feeling it was actually Saeed, but I thought Nia had done his homework. I guess not. No, so, I, so okay. So let me, <laughs> no, before, everyone, everyone calls me said. Don't even stress. I, before, I say it all the time. <laughs> before Kobe throws you under the bus, this morning when I thought about it, I actually went with Say because I spent a little bit of time in the Middle East. I've I've got friends who are from the Middle East, so Saeed made sense to me. And then <laughs> I I was thinking about it throughout the day, and then I thought, you know what? Let me just watch a YouTube video. So I, I'm gonna throw the I'm gonna throw the BC boys under the bus because <laughs> they said said. So this was on the BC Lions. I know you had LL Cool J at the um, game the other week, but you stuffed up Sarah's name, so your stock's dropped. No, I totally didn't. I I purposely tell people said all the time. You can say said. I say it if you actually watch videos that I did um, at my other job when I would introduce myself. I said said, so both are fine. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a radio show. It sounds like, you know, Sarah said and then, you know, insert subject, right? That is true. it, It seemed like it might be fake to me, but now that I know it's Saeed, it makes total sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Makes total sense. Now, what uh, enamored you to the CFL? So, when I was in school, um, in basically in journalism school, so I studied broadcast journalism at Seneca College, I wanted to do documentaries, I wanted to do historical documentaries, I wanted to do hard news. I was very much like, I want to be, you know, an anchor or reporter like at CBC News and kind of be very serious in that sense. And, and I, was able to learn a lot at that school and, and, you know, do a lot of class projects and all of these kinds of things where I got to experience what it would be like to a little taste of what that would be like. Right. And, and I, and I enjoyed it. And I think I was, you know, good at it. I worked hard, et cetera. But the thing was at the time COVID was going on and um, it wasn't just, I guess that aspect, but it made it, I guess, more heightened where the news uh, felt very heavy You know, everything that I was reporting on, everything around me, people's moods, everything. It was just a heavy time in life, right, for all of us. So I remember thinking, like, I don't know if I can actually do this every single day because, you know, it's an important job. It's I respect everyone who does, who reports, um, you know, whether it's crime or just like hard news around around whether it's locally or globally or nationally or whatever that is. But I didn't realize, I guess, that it would take a toll on me like that. So I, I had to have a, a little moment of pause and think, okay, what do I actually want to do every single day, wake up every day to do? And um, I did not consider sports until one of my teachers kind of introduced me to sports journalism and how you can tell stories in a deep, fun way, but also in an ent- entertainment 
kind of way, you know? So that kind of like excited me and I decided to just go all in and learn all about it. And then the CFL was one of the things that I, that just stood out to me and it was a, it was a smaller league. So it was kind of a a good place to start for me, but also I I fell in love with it like right away. (laughs) Okay. And you live in Mississauga now. Did you grow up in Mississauga? Yes. Born and raised. Was anyone in your family a fan of the CFL? No. So back to the Middle Eastern thing, my parents are, um, they immigrated from Lebanon when I was, before I was born. So, so they never really were exposed to football, like like Canadian or American football. Mm-hmm. If anything, it would have been maybe soccer, but they were not really a sports people that much anyways. So I had to kind of teach myself <laughs> everything from scratch. <laughs> okay. So for those of you that don't know, I mean, especially in the I would say the Toronto market, the CFL is not a big deal here. There there are a lot of choices available to people in the greater Toronto area, and the CFL is pretty far down the list. So it Mm kind of makes sense that you weren't really a fan of the CFL. But now that you cover it, what intrigues you the most about the league? Um, I always say it has to be community because, I mean, so I was new to it last year, right, covering Mm -hmm. the sport. And I kind of, I gave it my all. I really did. And I learned a lot and I was very blessed to meet incredible people and, and, and to be able to immerse myself, but people, but it's not just that factor. It's that the factor that everybody was so nice and kind and accepting and wanted to embrace me as part of the community. And so that's something I think it's very, I wouldn't say rare, but I would say, yeah, it's just significant, I guess that to me, um, is what is so valuable about this this league. Um, I think it's because it's generational. It has so much history to it. Mm-hmm. You know, fans really fan, fans who watch and, and follow the CFL for the most part are like they know anything and everything about the league. <laughs> you know, they're so passionate and into it, and to be able to be part of that is really cool. Um, I also love the accessibility of it all. You know, especially as somebody who who covers stories, it's like I can speak to people and get you know. I can be creative with my stories and get that access. So it's, it's a great place to be. Awesome. Me? Hey, I'm here. I'm just, no, the reason why I paused was I'm just digesting this and I'm going to get your thoughts on this, Sarah, but Larry Tenenbaum, I guess the, the figurehead of the major leagues, Maple Leaf sports enterprises, which owns the Argonauts as well as Toronto Maple Leafs, the Raptors and Toronto FC. He is essentially stepping away from, that role by selling a large stake of uh, said enterprise to another organization. So my question, Sarah, is this. Do you think this will have an impact on the Argos? I know details are, details are still coming out and we don't know the full story yet, but do you think this will potentially have a f- uh, an impact on the Argos in the, in the near future? And what are your thoughts on the Chad Kelly era? Yeah, I mean, with stuff like that, so MLSE obviously is a huge company with a lot of money, a lot of resources, you know, they just don't really care about the CFL (laughs) is the impression that, you know, we all kind of get in Toronto because for them, you know, they're focused obviously on the Raptors um, and the Leafs and, and and it's clear in many different aspects, right? You can see it. You can see it in terms of marketing. You can see it just in terms of like, you know, the way that they handle things in head office, all those kinds of things. So I think likely if there are big changes coming from MLSE that and changes that are, you know, going to shake things up type of changes in terms of all of the, the leagues that they're affiliated with, I can only imagine that it would likely affect the Argos and the CFL. 
even though they're great cup champions and even though they should have banners everywhere and t-shirts and all kinds of things going on you know it's unfortunate because it's for me the one of the main things that makes it very unfortunate is that it's so much so part of canadian history you know the argos were not always like this people cared not that long ago right like he actually probably comes from a generation where people cared a lot which is worse if you think about it that you know organizations led by people who are older who have seen the success of the argos in the past i'm sure um don't care so i do think it will have an impact if if you know comes down to it because how could it not you know but um my the second question the chad kelly era i think it's super exciting i love it i think you know chad kelly has a reputation so to speak of uh, you know a spicy reputation in terms of his football career he has a lot of things that are intriguing about him, right? He has that college stuff, the stuff that went down when he was in the NFL, you know, uh, with Denver and kind of getting essentially kicked out of that space. It's always like a, I don't want to paint him as a villain, but, you know, like a villain turned good type of story is always going to be exciting for anybody. Also, his uncle, you know, Jim Kelly is an icon from the Buffalo Bills. And I think all of those layers just make him such an interesting character in the space. And I think the CFL really needs that, um, especially the Argos really need that. And they're Grey Cup champions and he helped them win in the Grey Cup. So there's so many like cool things about having him here as starter. And on top of that, he really did impress, I believe, in the first uh, game last week in week two in their home opener against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Like, I mean, he didn't throw for any touchdowns, which I do want to see, of course, who doesn't want to see that. And he also has a really great arm, but at the same time, though, he managed to run for three himself. Um, Andrew Harris got one as well, which is awesome to see. And so just like, you know, but he, even though he didn't throw for any touchdowns, he still had 213 yards, you know, 14 of 23. So it's like, there's still so much kind of, there was potential and excitement before he even kind of started this this year. But also you're seeing it actually play out, even though it's just the first game, right? We just gotta, we gotta, we gotta calm down a little bit, but still you're seeing, you're seeing that play out in such a way that that is it, there's so much potential so it's it's a really exciting time mm-hmm. now like like a car on lakeshore west in the afternoon we've got to pump the brakes a little bit but right, I know. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time you, you mentioned the rushing touchdowns do you think that's a taste of things to come could we see more of kelly's wheels in action or was that maybe something to do with hamilton's injuries particularly on the defensive side i think i think a little bit of both i think like so he's always, so last year, his role was, he was, you know, the short yardage guy. He was a quarterback that would come in for some for QB sneaks and he would always do a great job. He was good at it. He was always good on his legs, you know? And so I think he just took advantage of that when he was needed because he wasn't supposed to be doing, I, I think one of the backup guys, I think it was Brian Scott was supposed to be doing short yardage for uh, the Argos in the home opener, but didn't, didn't for some reason. I have to, I, I'm not sure why, but so I think it was like a mixture of he was needed it, it, in, the, in that moment, he kind of took control, right? And decided this was the best thing. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that's going to be how it is all season. I think we're going to see a mix of both because like I said, he has a great arm, you know, he can throw the ball deep. And, and, and so I think especially, you know, with the receivers that he has, I think we're going to see a lot of that as well. And it's exciting, right? Because the fact that he could do both, <laughs> who doesn't want to see that when you're watching a CFL game, right? But um, yeah, I think it'll be a little bit of a mix. Mm-hmm. We all love a dual threat quarterback, don't we, Kobe? Well, I'm a Broncos fan. I got to see what he did there. And I, I mean, first off, I'd say he's an athlete. He's a true athlete. 
So having that extra dimension makes complete sense, especially in the CFL game, a three down game. It just gives you that other avenue, and I think he'll be a good fit for the Argonauts. I like him there as the starting quarterback. I really do. Are you ready to stay fit this winter? Get off the couch with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Sign up now to their mobility and movement program. Use the code PSP15 to get 15% off the one-time purchase of the program. Then it's yours forever. No additional subscriptions or fees. The program is available worldwide. Now, back to the show. Did you get a chance to go to a number of the stadiums, sir? Okay, so I've only been to watch a game at BMO Field and at Tim Hortons Field, which is where the Ticats play. I've been physically to Commonwealth Stadium for Combine, and I've been physically to just passing by, honestly, so I count it in my head, <laughs> to TD Place and to um, Percival Molson, which is the Montreal Ouest Stadium. So I have only seen games in two places, but I but this weekend coming up, like not this one, sorry, the one after, I'm going to go to TD Place and to Percival Molson, so I will see games there. Okay, and did you get a chance to see the uh, the social interaction they've built into Tim Hortons Field? Oh, um, is that the Bet Regal thing? Yeah, yeah. I've only seen. I haven't seen anything like that in person yet. No. Okay, okay. Because we were talking about that with another gentleman. I just I'm kind of interested in seeing it myself now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how did you find the uh, the crowds um, at the Argos game? I mean. Good, good. Everybody was actually really impressed by it. I actually went to Argos practice today and some of the some of the staff was mentioning it and saying, you know, it was really exciting to see. Now, obviously, it's not going to compare necessarily to the 30,000s that we're seeing in BC or even mm-hmm. at Commonwealth. Right. But for Argos, um, for the Argos, it's, it's, it was awesome. I think I don't remember how much it was, but I think it was in the 16,000s. I could be totally wrong with that number, but it was like lively. And there was a lot of young Argos fans, like kids. And I think that to me stood out, and that was the coolest thing for sure. And being the returning champion, do you think that's what's making a difference now? I think so. I think it's a mixture of things. I think, you know, the rivalry, the home opener, the fact that, yeah, they're the returning champions, there's that ceremony that took place. Also, think people want to do things in the summer. I think people are getting more open to trying new things um, like that, especially if it's kids, kids, you know, open to the children type of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think... It helps when they win, right? It could only help. <laughs> no, 100%. I am hoping that they see a, a at least a an uptick in interest this particular season because they are the returning champions and that there's an expectation there that they're going to go back to the title. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. Yeah. I think in this city, everyone appreciates the champion, and I feel like the Argonauts are going to get their due this summer. Oh, let's <laughs> The question is, do they run it back? Now, there's a couple of teams in the West that will have something to say about that. Winnipeg is one, obviously. They're, they've been around for the last few seasons. But there's a, a new team rising in the West, and that's the Lions. Now, they had, as I mentioned, Ella Cool J pumping them up at their home game the other day. But what can we expect on the field from BC Lions this season? First of all, I want to say I'm a huge fan of what the BC Lions are doing. I think on and off the field, you know what Amar Doman is doing to promote the game in BC. You know, him, he brought in LL Cool J. That's awesome for anybody, right? And and and, and you could see it, right? There was a huge crowd. Vernon Adams Jr. starting the and, and being the leader of this team is... It's, it was, I think people were a little, not nervous, but, you know, after having Nathan Rourke, <laughs> who was like a superstar last year and obviously now is in the NFL, there's, there's a lot of pressure, right, on Vernon Adams to, to, to kind of take 
uh, the reins and to, to, to continue to be successful for the team. It could have easily gone downhill. But what he did during the offseason was very impressive. He really connected with all of his receivers in, in such a – it's very clear. Like, if you watch some of the uh, the documentary, I think it's called Arrow Up, that the BC Lions put out um, kind of throughout the offseason and even during the season, behind-the-scenes stuff that the team is doing together. Like, they're they're hanging out. I mean, I'm sure a lot of other uh, team teams do this, but just getting that insight, you can see that not only are they just hanging out, they're actually close. They're bonding. Vernon is really taking control. I think he flew some of the guys out to do, like, uh, to Seattle, I believe it was, to do a little camp during the off season and, and to connect with them. And there's like, there's this one scene in uh, the documentary where they're like in a boardroom and just having a meeting about what's going on or, or what they want to work on this season and stuff like that together. And, you know, he stands up and he's like demonstrating things with his body in the boardroom, just like holding his arms up and doing all kinds of stuff. And you can just see he's like locked in. So not only... Is he doing great so far, knock on wood, because, you know, consistency is huge is a huge uh, question mark for him, though I do think he'll be okay. Um, I think also the things we're seeing from the receivers on that end of the offense as a whole is so cool. Dominic Grimes has the top, well, he's tied with Samuel Emelis from the Rough Riders, but he had already three touchdowns, you know, the highest in the league so far. He played amazing, like in the first in the first game that they had, I believe it was against Calgary. And just seeing what he can do, I mean, he's unfortunately he sounds like he's injured and won't be playing uh, tonight. But just seeing what he's able to do on offense, and then and then you can easily switch him in for someone else. I mean, Lucky Whitehead was, I think, he had a hamstring injury, and now he's coming in tonight. And and just and Keon Hatcher is great too. They have so many people who you can just trust to throw in there. And I don't think it's just because they're good. I think it's because they have that bond with VA, right? Um, so there's just guys on there that it's it's an ex- it's exciting football to watch for multiple reasons. One, because of what the team's doing to promote it. Two, their bond. Three, they're good. <laughs> and also four, I think, how could you not like that kind of underdog story that, you know, they were the last in the league in 2021, 2022, they come out with Nathan Work. They're killing it, and now they're still killing it, or, or hopefully are. So it's a great, it's a great, exciting team, and I think this season they're going to surprise us all and be real contenders. Okay, watch this space. You heard it here first. Now you touched on the Rough Riders, and to be honest, the start of the season has been more rough than <laughs> than riding. What do you see for Saskatchewan moving forward? Yeah, honestly, I really like what I'm seeing, which I know is like, if you look at the numbers, right, they lost, I think, by like 20 points or something to the Bombers. If you just look at that, you're like, dang, that's bad. But, but <laughs> the Bombers are the Bombers. They are completely dominant. Like, I, they're like, I can't even watch them sometimes. I'm like, this is not real life because <laughs> they're supposedly old, right? Like, you know, everybody's saying <laughs> off season, oh, they're old, they're going to lose their touch. They're Honestly, it's like they're pl- they look like they're playing for fun with their friends and just happen to be so good. And like you know, when you're when you I don't even know you go play basketball like in the park and there's like these really older guys that are super good and they just you know you stare at them with awe like they're kind of like that. And so I I think it's a little unfair to judge them in that way from that game. But I will say Trevor Harris, you know, we weren't sure if he's going to come in after his uh, injury supposedly when he when they he played that game against the Elks the first game. But he he came through. He had like 413 passing yards or something like insane like that. And yes, he had a lot of incomplete passes. But at the end of the day, you know, three touchdowns as well. All to to the receiver Samuel Emelis. There's like there's just there's some there's some fire there that I think will 
has potential to come out. Of course, injuries are a big question mark. The O-line needs to stay good because that was the big concern last year. But on the receiving end, too, you have Sean Bain uh, Jr., who's a newer guy, who's kind of like a, an emerging budding star, right? So there's 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 pieces on there that are exciting. I don't think they're quite there yet. I think they'll stay in the middle zone. Um, I think they're going to kind of fight Calgary for that middle zone. But I'm actually not – I'm not hating it. I'm going to be honest because last year was bad. Like, if you just compare it to last year, like, that was actually, like, bad. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, an honest horribilis, if you will. Yeah, Sarah, I got a couple of quarterback questions for you. And the first of which is, who do you think is the best quarterback in the league in the CFL? <sighs> it has to be Zach Laros. It just has to be. That man is like, like I said, the Bombers, like I'm like sighing every time I bring them up because they're <laughs> just, they're just good. And it's like, not that it's annoying because I'm happy for them, but it's kind of annoying when the team is so good. Like, what can I even say, right? He's, I feel like, you know, he is older. I mean, a lot of these quarterbacks are older. He's been playing for 10 years. I believe this is his 11th, I think. Um, and he's he's still got it. And he's only getting better. And I think there's just no way to compete with that in terms of best. In terms of after him, though, if I were to give, like, some of the other guys a chance, uh, let's, let's give it let's give it to VA because he also has a lot of experience. I think it's eight years or so in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like what he's doing. And... Because Trevor Harris is great in terms of he's reliable and experienced, but I think he is the oldest, and I think that the injuries and all those things uh, come into play. But let me also just shout out Chad Kelly, because, hey, you know what? He's not proven himself as the best, but there's a lot of hype, and maybe he will be. <laughs> okay, and then my other question is, do you think the Tiger Cats have basically sealed their fate with the acquisition of Bo Levi Mitchell, and do you think we'll ever see Bo Levi Mitchell play at a high level again? Um, I do. I do think we will. I don't know if it'll be super consistent, to be honest. So I don't know if it'll be like every single time he pops in, he can kill it. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I think that he will have, he will, he will, he will impress us in, at different times. It is what it is, right? Depending on his, his health, depending on the flow that he has and the connection that he has with his offense. I also think that's a question mark is like, has he connected with them enough yet? I think it'll take some time. There's a lot of new pieces in that team. I think that, interestingly enough, Matthew Schultz, who's the backup quarterback that's coming in uh, this week, uh, tomorrow for the home opener, yeah. he kind of knows the team like a decent amount because last year he came in after Dane Evans, you know, when Dane Evans was out. So I kind of feel like he might be the guy. Like, you know, obviously we're not going to have him as number one because they pay all that money for Bo Levi and Bo Levi is Bo Levi. But I think... I think like there's there's still some hope, you know what I mean? I think for they don't have a uh, a young guy who doesn't know anything about anything. They have a guy who's been there last year and who has proven himself enough to to succeed. So I wouldn't give up just yet. Okay, and what do you think the Tiger Cats have to do to tip things turn around? There's a lot of different things. Somebody asked me this the other day, and I and I don't know why it kind of stumps me. Like I kind of just get I pause because I think there's a lot of different things, but I think it's kind of what I was saying about the. Uh, so, example, the Bombers, the Argos, and the BC Lions obviously are really good for many reasons. But one thing you can very clearly see, and this is like, like I said, I mentioned this with the, with the BC team, mm-hmm. is they are all comfortable with each other. They trust each other. There's a very clear flow. There's a very clear quickness. But it's in a way that, like, even if it goes wrong, we still know we can do this kind of thing. Like, there's a confidence there. And I think with the Tiger Cats, there's a risk of that of not building that. I think that that's a huge thing that they need to focus on is like really developing that connection. Obviously it sucks because Bo won't be able to develop that that much right now, but you know, 
I think I, I was saying this before the other day too. Is I love James Butler, and I'm just gonna. That's all I like bring up is James <laughs> Butler. He's so good. And if you can just give him the ball, he he he'll do what he needs to do. That's my opinion. I mean, the receivers are some of them are great too, but I think like it's just it's just a matter of connecting in the way that they need to to connect in order to like to trust each other and make and move forward. Yeah, no, it makes sense. They get the trust. Maybe they'll get a couple of wins and get the confidence, and then everything flows yeah. from there. So yeah, yeah no, I, we've lost the last two, I believe. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Hopefully, it's not third time unlucky for them. Hopefully, they can figure it out uh, in time. Now, speaking of figuring things out, Sarah, let's talk about Touchdown Atlantic. Yeah. Um, clearly, a popular event out there in the Atlantic region but we still don't have a team out there so i got two questions one are we ever going to see a team in, in the atlantic and two where else should the cfl expand to so i did a lot of research into this in, in research as in i spoke to a lot of fans and got kind of like different different opinions on this and I, first of all touchdown atlantic was so much fun i went last year i might i don't know if i'm gonna go this year for sure yet but i it was one of the best weekends i've ever had because First of all, Halifax is a beautiful place to go. Like just even just to hang out, I would go back a hundred percent. It's busy. There's, you know, you walk around, it's like a resort. You walk around anywhere in the city and you run into an Argos fan or a Riders fan and you just kind of party with them or talk to them. And it's so much fun. Um, But in terms of where they should go, it's a big question because like, obviously first you want to make sure that, 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 that the league can even sustain another team. Some people, many people say like, let's focus on the big markets first. Let's focus on Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, right? And, and then working on making those, those cities like thrive and flourish. And so, so they, I just think they have to make sure that they're ready to expand in the first place. And then you have the, the Halifax versus Quebec City question. Personally, I think it can go both ways and I kind of don't care myself where I think both have a, have an argument. But weirdly enough, I think Quebec City is is there's more of a case in the sense that there's already maybe an established fan base there that could uh, be invested. So so yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair, fair. I would say it's probably more likely that Quebec City gets a CFL team as opposed to an NHL team. But I don't have tonight's lottery numbers, so I can't necessarily see into the future. But I do have another question regarding expansion and this is a bit of a throwback we are recording on a thursday the league did previously go down south to the u.s could you foresee a future where perhaps a state like alaska maybe gets a team (laughs) i don't know if they're fans of canadian football over there but it's tricky because it's like it's hard because americans from what i understand love football obviously as a whole they love pretty much any kind of football. I don't think they're that picky. I don't think that, I think a lot of them would enjoy three down football. I just think that like, because it's so saturated there already, whether it's maybe, maybe Alaska, it's not so much, but you know, in other States and stuff like that, there's college football, high school football, NFL football, all kinds of XFL, USFL, like there's so much going on. So I think again, similar to the expansion to Halifax or Quebec city, like I think there would have to be real confidence that there's a market that's like, we don't have maybe a local team and we really want one. Right. And so then you have this fan base that is willing to, to regularly attend games and stuff like that. I don't know if it will happen. I'm going to say no, probably won't happen. Or you know what? Never say never. Maybe in like 10, 20 years or something like that. But if people in Alaska like CFL, they should make it known (laughs) because I'm not sure. But yeah. 
Fair enough. Now, just switching gears, you did say that you were going to Montreal to uh, see the Alouettes in action. So I'm going to ask, are you going to have that famous or infamous poutine in a helmet? No, probably not, because I think that's I think it's huge, and I don't think I'd be able to finish it just myself. But but I'm excited to go because of the air horns. Like apparently, it's really fun to go there because it, it's a little bit more intimate, right? Or just feels more intimate, kind of like a like a like a college game. So I think that's super cool. And yeah, like there's there's fans are apparently really excited there. So they like they have the air horns going. Maybe they got their poutine going. So I think it'll be a fun atmosphere. <laughs> Indeed. And this was a fun conversation. So it was a pleasure to have you on, Sarah. Sarah, Thank tell us you. where our uh, audience can find you on social media. Yeah, so I'm everywhere at Sarah Ansed. So S-A-R-A-H-A-N-N-E-S-A-I-D. There we go. So there we have it from Sarah Saeed. Now, before we get you out of here, we need one bold prediction for this CFL season. So oh. as bold as you like. Bold prediction. Um, don't don't say anything ridiculous like the Blue Bombers will make the playoffs or anything. <laughs> like, let's make it. Let's make it possible. I know. Okay. Oh my goodness! You know I'm going to sigh already when you mention them. It's like, oh my god, they're too good. But no. Um, since we're talking about Montreal, I actually think so. Montreal went through some crazy changes this offseason with their ownership and just losing a ton of guys. I actually think the Montreal West will low key surprise us like last year. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be right there, and we're going to be like. Oops, we did not think about that because everybody put them at the very bottom for their power rankings. So I think the Owls will, will surprise us. Sacre bleu. Okay, <laughs> there we have it. Thank you for your time, Sarah. We much appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience, where no sport is left behind.